uh, remember Dwayne Arneys, he'll be driving the Penske truck in the Cundus as they travel to Kentucky. We were just talking about some other church family members. Uh, Gail, uh, I shouldn't probably mention that. Uh, some folks that have had surgery today and some folks that are in the hospital. Uh, so if you're wanting to know about that, uh, uh, you can come to the church or call, get a prayer list that should be in your inbox. Uh, one of the things not on the prayer list is... Um, Dorothy Thompson, who is hospitalized at research. So be praying for Dorothy. She's got an infection in her bloodstream, and so they're getting that taken care of, Lord willing. Uh, she's in good spirits, and Kevin is down there with her right now as we speak. Okay, so let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get started tonight. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the great report we just heard from Bob Bickett, and uh, thank you for just seeing him three years through that cancer. I just was visiting with Randy Foster today, and and, uh, Lord, uh, a lot's gone on in a year, and I praise God he's with us and doing good, and he's working strong. And Lord, we just praise you for your provision. Lord, we, we want to pray for uh, Jim Boyette as we're thinking about people with cancer. Lord, we know next week he goes in for a major surgery. We pray, Heavenly Father, for uh, both uh, Jim and Ann, and that, uh, Lord, we want to lift up um, them to you tonight. We want to pray for the other needs that we've mentioned, uh, uh, the Gail who had surgery today. We want to praise you for the outcome of that. Pray for her continued healing. Pray, God, for her back surgery that will be coming up. Pray for Jan Smith, and thank you for uh, just helping her along the way. Lord, thank you for um, just giving us opportunity to pray right now. I want to thank you for uh, answered prayer. Pray for Bobby Blaine's sister, and pray for all of her family bereaved at the loss of Bobby's nephew uh, or grandson who uh, was uh, passed away this weekend uh, in the Garden City. And, Lord, uh, just a lot of things going on. Lord, I want to thank you for the weather. Even though it's cold, Lord, we're getting lots of water and, and rain and things, and that's a good thing, and snow. And Lord, just thank you for your blessings and your showers upon us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that tonight as we get into the Word of God, that you just bless our souls and our heart, Lord, that you teach us all things, whatsoever you've said to us. And Lord, uh, we just praise you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, before I get into the teaching tonight, I just wanted to mention, if you're, if, especially if you're online uh, and you're not here because of... COVID, which by the way, if you are here because of, not here because of that, Wednesdays are a great time to be here because you have plenty of room. Uh, we're almost full, but not quite. And so there's plenty of room to spread out. You can social distance all you want. But uh, kind of an announcement, if you're watching this now or later on, uh, starting Sunday, I can see in the corner, we have an area of reserved seating for those that uh, are face mask only, you know, and, and not wanting to kind of mix, uh, not not in a divisive way, but needing to separate, not comfortable sitting among the crowd. Uh, and uh, we have a few families or a few couples that we think will uh, attend if they have a segregated sort of area. I hate to use those words. Those are, isn't that terrible? All these words are inflammatory now. But they're actually, if you use properly in the English language, they're okay to use. So we can segregate people <laughs> over here and uh, and, uh, and, and not in a bad way, uh, and, and they're still part of the body, and, but that way they're not, uh, you know, they can, they'll be with mask only type of folk. So if that's your situation, and we do have folks with compromised immune systems, unfortunately folks like, uh, Gwen, uh, will not be, his doctor is like, no way. So, cause his, after going through chemo and, and, uh, his, uh, his immune system is way too weak to even risk that. So he was be before COVID. He was already in a in a careful mode. So uh, so he's he's being extra careful. So he's not going to have the benefit of that. But hopefully there's some others, and maybe you're watching online right now, and you don't know that. Uh, I think Jeremy Bonison is trying to personally contact everybody, 
that we, we, the pastors we met about last Sunday and tried to think of everybody we think might be willing or wanting to be a part of that so they can get in the building because we know that some of you want to get in the building, uh, but you kind of need a, better, a different environment to uh, circulate in. So we're trying to provide that. It's over on this side, which is when you get here, just go to your right through the sanctuary in the back, uh, easy in, easy out. And so we understand. And it'll be, it'll be sectioned off on Sundays. So uh, we'll try to get folks not to sit there uh, that aren't wearing masks, that is. So does that make sense? I was just really not very cohesive. But anyway, all right. So I think you get what I'm saying, even if I didn't say it very well. All right. So tonight we're going to, I thought I was just going to fly through the end of this, but I'm not. So let's look at Ephesians chapter four. And uh, we're going to, we've been really camping out here uh, in Ephesians four. And, I, and I've already preached a message on anger. Um, and so, which covered a lot of this same territory, but I'm going to look at it just a little bit differently tonight. I'm not going to go repeat myself and go over the, the same things uh, that I've already covered in that sermon. So if you want to hear that, you can go back and listen to it. But let's just kind of review where we've been. Uh, we've been in Ephesians talking about our true identity. Boy, this is a great time to study that for sure. And uh, we've seen that the purpose of the, the study is to reveal Christ's sufficiency, the church's unity, the Christian's duty. Tonight we really start getting into the Christian's duty, even though we're still in chapter 4, and how if we don't do our part, it messes up the whole body, right? We're all members of the body, and we all have a place in the body, and our, our obedience affects everybody's uh, situation in the body. Uh, so we, we talked about um, the theme being the body, of, uh, you know, building the body of Christ in the image and the likeness of Christ. Almost every chapter you see, uh, you know, relevance to the building aspects, and then the title is revealing our true identity, uh, and that's so important as Christians because right now, you know, identity is people want to identify you primarily right now in America. They want to identify you as a Republican or a Democrat right now, right? Uh, or, I mean, there's so many ways people want to identify people, but the reality is you're, if you're a, creature, a, new, a, a Christian, you're a new creature in Christ. That's our primary identity. Everything else is, is uh, you know, falls behind that. And so uh, that's why we can be unified, even though we have diversity, which is what I was talking about last time we got together. So the body is one, Christ is one, but yet there's great diversity in the body because Christ unifies us. And that's the key, is keeping him preeminent. When Christ is not preeminent, then it's inevitable division is going to happen, which is why, uh, like in our country right now, socially, things appear to be falling apart because the real solution is not right or left. It's Jesus. It's Christ. Christ is really the glue that holds it together it's not it's not political parties and uh although i'm definitely i will tell you i'm not ashamed to say i'm, I'm against marxism but uh but the reality is is that you could have all the capitalism you want and greed's not good you know gordon gecko's not a good guy either right so human nature is a bad thing and uh it finds a way through every system right to corrupt and so the only thing that keeps us in order is jesus and our true identity in christ and the only thing that keeps a culture in order is the church the pillar and ground of the tr uh, truth. So uh, if there's social unrest and social problems, uh, we do have to understand that the church is responsible. Uh, we're not necessarily always the cause, but we certainly have the solution. And we also, I have to be careful about this, have to say that, because I'm really tired, I'm very tired, very tired of people blaming the church for everything. Um, I also have to say that there's an active agent called Satan who is a real being, a fallen cherub, who hates not only Christ, he hates Christians, and he hates God's agenda. 
and that always has to be put in the into the equation um and so um man i'm just sick and tired of christians blaming the church for everything um because really i do agree that the church needs to be the solution and, and we should be and i do think we could do a better job and i do think we do dumb things i'm not against i don't i wouldn't argue any of those things but at the end of the day man she's the bride of christ so leave her alone for i mean give her space and uh and treat her right and so uh anyway uh people are always looking for a goat and uh and at the end of the day it's because we don't want to take on the personal responsibility of sin in our own lives and deal with that and deal with jesus and if we would do that first then the church would look a whole lot better i guarantee you and uh and so being saved really helps you look at the bride properly you're not going to hear that even in Christian circles today, because that's that's why I'm saying that. Because a lot of the church, first thing they're going to say is, "Well, the church stinks, and the church isn't doing her job." And I kind of I do agree with that, uh, and I, do, I I think it's the preachers have a lot of responsibility, most of that responsibility, whatever on that. I've already teach, taught on that, but uh, it's important that um, that we understand our unity in Christ first, and then and the diversity is comes from that is is a strength, not a weakness. And that's what we've been talking about in chapter 4. So that didn't may not have seemed relevant, but it's very relevant to what we've been talking about. So uh, anyway, moving on. I'm taking too much time here. So we talked about, uh, oops, something. Oh, you still got it. Good. So um, and we looked at the big three, the deity, the unity, and the duty. And I've already touched on that and our identity there. Um, and so I'm going to skip through this. And we've covered all of that. And we covered all of that. And we covered all of that. Okay. So let me get to where we're starting tonight. Well, I'm going to get there. Let's get down here. This is really a good clicker. All right, here we go. I went too far. You guys are getting a preview. All right. Okay, so. Oh, it's back up. Thank you, brother. That helps. So, um... So we, we uh, just kind of broadly, if you have an outline, I filled everything in for you where we've been. I kind of condensed it down a little bit so that you could, what's that? <laughs> condensed it down a little bit. Kelly, man, Kelly, you're, now I'm going to call you out because you're, Bob, you shouldn't do that to her. So last time we were here, we, I was uh, dealing with the third, the third major point, which is the responsibility of the members, members of the body of Christ. And you've got this on your outlines. In chapter 4 and verse 14, uh, where it says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cutting craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We talked about how it's important to grow up. And, uh, and so, um, so we spent some time on that point. And then we talked about uh, the next point. If I can get to my paper. Uh, we talked about speaking up because he says in chapter 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. We've got to speak the truth in love. And we'll talk a little bit more about speaking. And then we talked about joining up, Ephesians 4:16, uh, from whom the whole body fitly joined uh, together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying, which means building of itself, in love again this book is about building i called a mini romans in the introduction i did many many during covid i mentioned that Ro ephesians is like romans it's just condensed and romans and uh romans and uh, ephesians both deal with building the body and so the first church 
Um, Ephesians, Ephesus is the church that the other six churches were started from in, in, the, in Asia. So Ephesus was the primary church, and then from there. So God did use them to build the body, in, at least in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And so, and they're a strong church. You see in Revelation uh, chapter 2, when they're listed there, they tried the false apostles, those that said they were apostles and were not, and they judged them biblically, you know. They worked really hard, but then they lost their first love. So there was something, they did lose heart, right? So they had all the mechanism, but they ended up losing the heart. We'll talk a little bit about the heart tonight. And so we talked about how Paul's building, uh, you know, Paul's building process and all of that. And uh, that's where we left off last week, should be if you had an outline. So tonight we're going to pick it up in point D, and, and really <clears throat> verse 17 through 22, which is the, the sub-points that I've been talking about for weeks of how this chapter lays out, which is the putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And so tonight, let's just pick it up in verse 17 and look at the text uh, real, real good. <clears throat> it says, um, chapter 4 and verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord... That ye, that's all of y'all, that's me, that's the whole church of Ephesus, henceforth, from here on out, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. There's the heart. And remember that that's what the, they ended up losing, really, was the, the heart in, in Revelation 2 who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on... The new man, which is at, which after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. So you see there in verse 22, he's putting off the old old man, the old conversation. And then in verse 23, putting on, I'm sorry, verse 24, putting on the new man. Okay, and then verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Um, for we are members one of another, right? We're unified. Uh, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, uh, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's really pretty familiar. I mean, whether you know every verse there, most of us have heard portions of that, you know. I know with my kids when they were little, I mean, we probably need to resurrect verse 32. We used to quote, uh, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I used to make my kids say that all the time. So if you need a verse for your kids... In addition to six one, which is children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right, you can always use 4.32 uh, because that's always needful in a home full of children. All right, so so notice what Paul says here. This this He says, this I say therefore, in verse 17. Um, Paul is, is stating uh, that things that he is speaking 
uh, I'm sorry, I, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord. I wanted to actually mention this, this word testify in the Lord. So Paul is stating that the things that he is speaking are testimony in the Lord. So while we know that, that his epistles inspired and preserved as part of the canon, of course we know that today, uh, it's evident that Paul was being super clear when he wrote this out that, you know, I've been saying some stuff, but now I'm saying this, I'm saying this because this isn't me saying this. This is the Lord saying this. And it's really, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. You might, I mean, he's like, there's no doubt about what I'm about to say. You don't need to walk like you used to walk. You need to, you know, walk like a Christian, not like an Egyptian. So, uh, so that's basically the, the first point, by the way. Let me get to that. Uh, you know, don't walk like an Egyptian, walk like a Christian. Because in the Bible, right, Egypt's a type of the, what is it, well, let me ask you, what is Egypt a type of in the, in the Bible? The, the world, that's right, the world. And so um, you see that all the way through the Bible. So it's a picture of the world. So we need to walk like a, like a Christian. And he says that, that he henceforth, right, from here on out, you need to walk like Christ, not like the world. So evidently, the way the world's rolling is not the same way as the, as we, the way we should be walking, right? So there's a walk of this world. I think, who's that guy with Aerosmith? Walk this way, talk this way. You know, that's not the way to walk and talk. I think he's even talking about a... No, that's another song. He's talking about a cross-dresser. But anyway, so... See, that's what I'm telling you. You cannot trust Stephen Tyler. you got to trust the Word of God. you got to trust Paul, because I guarantee you, Stephen Tyler... Is that his name? Yeah, I think he's, he's not walking the right way. And so uh, Paul's like, no, hold up. Don't really follow him. He may be asking you to walk like that, but don't do it. Or that other chick, walk like an Egyptian. No, don't do that either, because that's walking like the world. But from henceforth, uh, we got to walk like Christ. Now, I put a verse up here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let me grab that for you, because I'm going to put these up. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 says, Furthermore, when you be, uh, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you, by the Lord Jesus, that ye, ha as ye have received of us, how you ought to walk to please God, so ye would abound more and more. All right, so really, as we mature and grow, we should we should grow to please God, and not men. Right? That's something that when you look at Jesus, when he became a mature man, uh, what chapter is what is that uh, in the book of uh, Mark where it talks about where he grew in favor with God and men? And, uh, you know, what happened to Jesus, you know, between being a child and uh, it wouldn't be in Mark. It'd be in probably the book of Luke, um, the gospel of Luke, when he's growing up there. Sorry, this is an audible I'm calling. So, um, yeah, it's, it's Luke chapter 2. Uh, you know, you can see at the end of Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. And so, uh, why? Because he was following the Father. We see him as a 12-year-old. He's in the temple, and uh, they go visit. The, they go down to Jerusalem. Next thing you know, he's in there hanging out with the, the scholars, and they're like, what, where did Jesus go? You know, they're two days into this. Oh, he's, well, he's like, well, wouldn't you know him about my Father's business? So the more he grew, the more he was focused on the Father, right? And he followed the Father. Well, so Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.1 that, you know, uh, you know, you're following, he also said, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, right? Be followers of me as I follow Christ. Well, now he says, you know, I beseech you, I strongly encourage you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as you have received us, or received of us, how you ought to walk, you've seen our example, 
and to please God so you'd abound more and more. So follow our example, but ultimately he wants them to follow Christ. And so every, that's why we have discipleship. Everyone who's born again needs an example to follow, right? Now, Jesus is an exception because he's God in the flesh. But his disciples followed him, but it wasn't just to follow Jesus. So Jesus is God. Ultimately, they had to learn to walk on their own. They had to grow up and, and learn what it was like to follow him and just with the Spirit of God, which is still awesome to have in you. So Galatians 5.16 says, this I say then. Paul says the same thing to us. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so there's this battle between our flesh and our spirit and this walk. So it's easy to walk like the world, especially when we're young in the Lord. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter eight or chapter uh, 3 that spiritual Christians, baby Christians, are carnal, right? That's, uh, I think that's chapter 3. He says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, which is fleshly, even as unto babes in Christ. So we know baby Christians are fleshly. But you know what? Baby Christians don't walk either, do they? They wallow around, and you have to change their diaper. So we talked about that last time. As we mature and grow, we should learn to walk and toddle and fall and get up and fall. And then as you get older, you know what? You should get stronger and learn how to walk in the Spirit. And the, the stronger we get in the Spirit, not only do we follow others who follow Christ, but people begin to follow us as we follow Christ. And that maturation starts to happen. It happens naturally in parenthood, right? So the children have the children. Next thing you know, the children are now the parents. Now the parents are setting an example for their children. And if parents fail to set good examples for their children, it usually affects the children and how they behave later. So that's what Paul's saying. Don't walk like the world. Walk like Christ. So follow our example. We've set an example. Follow it. And then so he, he gets specific. He, he gets into the way. Paul describes the way Gentiles walk. Um, like we don't know this, but it's good. Just in case we're cloudy, we can figure out the way. They, they walk in the vanity of their mind right, uh, in the vanity of their mind, uh, their mind is empty. That's what vanity is, is it's empty. Their mind is empty of the truth. That's what, it's not like I'm saying people who don't know Jesus, their mind's empty. Some of the smartest people in the world don't know Jesus. They're very intellectual. They're very intelligent. They got a lot of stuff in their mind, but it's not stuff that's going to be eternal. You know, it's nothing that's going if, to, if they don't know Christ, it's, it's no good. It's vain. So, um, and so their understanding is, is darkened, the text says. Uh, there's no illumination or understanding of the truth of God's word because God's word is true. It's light, right? There's no light of, from God penetrating the cranium and the heart. And so uh, departing from evil, by the way, is the, defini- is the Lord's definition of understanding. Uh, years ago in my devotional reading, God, God gave me that, that nugget of truth and... Uh, it really changed my, it really helped me. In Job 28, I think I put that, I don't know if I put that up there. I did. So God gave me this verse here regarding understanding. Uh, in Job 28, 28, it says, And unto, unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Well, we can't, I talked about fear and faith several weeks ago on Sunday morning, and I, I spent quite a bit of time talking about the fear of the Lord. That's like also a thing that's not popular today to talk about. It's healthy to have a healthy fear of the Lord. Um, the Bible says it's, it's the beginning of wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Right? Uh, and so when we, the reason that we, we fear is not because God hates us. It's because he wants us to be steer clear of things that are going to harm us and the kingdom of God. So if departing from evil is understanding, one must acknowledge the truth or they can't possibly know to depart from evil. 
Uh, in James chapter 4 and verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him is it is sin. So there are some Gentiles who walk in the darkness of ignorance, and they simply don't know the truth. Um, and ignorance, obviously, is, is that word we understand is void of understanding, just legitimately ignorant, not knowing. Um, it's, not, it's not like they're stupid or they're dumb. They just don't know. They simply don't know the truth. Others know the truth and reject it, right? So there, there's, that's someone who's condemned already. So, but all of us stand guilty if we, if we don't receive the witness of the truth. And the truth is also not just revealed in Scripture. It's revealed in creation and conscience. And so uh, I think I put that, I did, I put these verses up here. So Romans 2, um, in verse 12, 12 says, for, for many, now Romans chapter 1 is dealing full on with the issues of, let's just go back there real quick, because this verse is good, but it doesn't, let me put a little context to it. So in Romans 1, Paul's saying in verse 17, uh, he says, uh, or verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. So he's all of mankind, right, is able to be saved through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for therein, in the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. So those are the people who are not ignorant, but then hold the truth and don't and hold it in unrighteousness. So I'm not going to read all of the the text for time's sake, but in this you deal with every problem and everything that you can have in our culture today: uh, homosexuality, um, you know, uh, changing the glory of God into un, un, uh, the uncorruptible God into a corruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, right? Just like every mascot for your favorite football team. Okay, so and they and they and they and so there's a point where God just says, you know what? I will let you have what you want if you keep rejecting me. I will go ahead and let you. I will quit chasing you down with the Spirit of God to convict your soul. I'll let you go ahead and have your way. And of course, that changes. They change the truth into a lie. And they worship and serve the creature more than the creator, it says in Romans chapter 1. And in doing that, they, they end up reaping confusion. And, um, and God gives them over to vile affections. And so homosexuality occurs and so on and so forth. Um, and it goes into all of that. And, uh, and also hatred toward God. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, so on and so forth. So then he gets into chapter 2 and he's like, hey, and by the way, so you folks that hold the Bible, you're, not, you're absolutely not off the hook. You're inexcusable, oh man, <laughs> whosoever are, are that judges, uh, because you know this and you do the same thing. It's like, uh-oh, now what do we do? And so uh, he talks about how the goodness of God leads us to repentance and, and, really get, and just really, before he gets anyone saved, he makes sure everyone understands they're lost is what Paul's doing, both the, the, those that perceive themselves to be righteous and those that are unrighteous, right? So all are unrighteous because Romans chapter 3, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's where he's taken the conversation as a lawyer, point by point by point. So in chapter 2 and verse 12, he says, For as many as have sinned without the law. What about the guy that's ignorant and doesn't know, right? Well, I don't know. Next time you're speeding, you know, 100 miles an hour in a 55, and you said, I'm sorry, I didn't know. You try that one on the policeman. You know, my speedometer's broke. He's not really going to care. 
Ignorance of the law is no excuse. And so Romans chapter 2 and verse 12, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. So God's not going to be unjust. He's just. Okay. You don't know my law? Well, I'll, just, I'll give you something else to be judged by. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Right? That would take care of the Pharisees and so on and so forth. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Now, Paul puts that in parentheses in verse 13 through 15. So let's read his parenthetical phrase here. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves. So when you're a lost man and you know it's not right to be a pedophile, most lost men know that, or women, but yet they do that, guess what? They've broken their own law, their conscience. And, and so God says, okay, I'll judge you by that then. You say, well, Brian, you don't know my conscience. No, I don't, but God does. God knows your conscience, and he knows exactly what you're thinking. Which showed the work of the law written in their hearts. God says, hey, I'm not worried about the law of Moses because I've already, I've, I'm the creator. I've already written it in your heart. You know it wasn't right, whatever it is, and you're guilty. Um, which, which show the work of the law in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile, excusing or else excusing one another. Oh, man, oh, man, that's who I was when I was lost. So the way I would soothe my conscience when I was a... I was a Pharisee without the law. I didn't even have the Bible to justify my own self-righteousness. So I had my own standard of righteousness, and then I would demean others that didn't meet my standard of righteousness, all the while breaking the law of my own conscience. Have ever, anyone ever done that? Oh, man. And I'll tell you how it goes. At least I'm not. At least I'm not. That's how it goes. The fact that I'm not saved, the fact that I don't care about the Bible, the fact that I'm not following God, doesn't matter. At least I'm not like, right? Okay, that's called self-righteousness. Just as bad as the Pharisees. So I set my own righteous standard, whatever it is. It's very subjective. It's whatever I want it to be. But even in that, it will slay you because you'll find yourself doing the very things that you despise because you see yourself in others. And the things you hate in them, you end up doing yourself. And boy, I tell you what, then you really get, then you're slain and God can use your conscience to break you down. To show you that you're a sinner and you need a savior. That's what happened in my life. And so... Not that God didn't bring the word, but when he brought the word to me and he says, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God, I'm like, got me. <laughs> yes, yes, sir, you got me. I, I have fallen short of the glory of God for sure. And uh, amen. So verse 16, he says, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to, his, to my gospel. <clears throat> so the good news of the Lord Jesus, the grace of God has been offered for nearly 2,000 years right now. And people are rejecting it. Left to right, they're taking their own righteousness, not the, just like the Pharisees chose their own righteousness over the righteousness of Christ. So do lost men today, and they'll say, "Well, I'm a good person, or I'm going to work my way to heaven, or I'm going to feed the home." Nothing wrong with feeding the homeless. We should feed the homeless, but that's not going to save us. All right. So, where does that leave us? Well, I'm glad you asked, because not only is their understanding darkened, but it says they're alienated, right? Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Okay, so they are dead in trespass and sins, as we'd say in Romans, right? They're dead in trespass and sins. They're alienated. 
And so that doesn't mean they come from outer space, like aliens, but it means they're, they're outside of, of the kingdom of God. Why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked, because this is the way it works, because blindness of the, the blindness of their heart, the blindness of their heart. Uh, the spiritual head is dead, right? Uh, they don't have any grasping of the truth of God's word. Now, that doesn't even mean, you know, what's amazing is sometimes people like this even have truth, but it's a witness against themselves because they won't receive the love of the truth. They reject it, which brings upon them the wrath of God, the, the God, just wrath of God. But that's another story right now. I'm just talking about people who are ignorant, blind, and uh, don't understand. So this, has, this battle goes on in the mind. Uh, now, it says the heart, right? The heart and the mind are connected. They, they're interlinked. And so let me show you how the devil works this thing. Uh, and so in 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 3, the Bible says, But if our gospel... Now, remember in Romans, Paul talks about they're going to be judged by, in verse 16 of chapter 2, judged by the gospel. And then he says in chapter two or chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the gods... Notice small g, not capital G. The God of this world... We're not walking like the world anymore. There's a God of this world. Hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. There's a lot in that passage. Because Jesus Christ is the image of God. He's the expressed image of God. It says in Colossians. So the visible person of God is Jesus Christ. And when he is manifest to people through the gospel, what he did on the cross, the light comes on. That's what it says. And so it starts with the processing of that in the mind, but it immediately illuminates the heart. And when someone doesn't receive that message, they're, man, they're in deep, deep doo-doo. But there's also actively an agent, right? It's not just like, oh, people are ignorant. They don't understand. No. Have you ever witnessed to somebody who's struggling to understand? Why? Because it's, it takes the Spirit of God. You don't, not, the Spirit of God doesn't indwell you and steal your soul till the moment you get saved. But don't kid yourself. He does convict you. If you're a lost person and you're convicted over sin or you're struggling to understand the grace of God, that's the goodness of God. That's, the, that's, the, that's God's Holy Ghost trying to teach you that you need to be saved before you're even saved. And so you need to take heed to what you're hearing and what you're learning and, and what the Spirit of God is trying to tell you because God wants you to be saved. right? And so, But there's also an agent of the world, the flesh and the devil. The, the, it says it right there. That, uh, but the, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. So everything we're getting in these, these devices, man, these phones, these, uh, these so-called phones, these computers that we carry around with us, and all the imagery that we're getting bombarded in our brains through all the screens that are all around us, and all the audible uh, assaults that we're getting in our ears every day, all of this stuff is, is about blinding the gospel. Many Christians right now are more concerned about what's going to happen with the election than they, are gonna, than they are about what's happening with the gospel. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a big election. Okay, woohoo! I'm not minimizing it. <laughs> I'm not. But in light of the gospel, it isn't that big a deal. So we got much more bigger problems to deal with and much more better solutions than that. And that's the word of God and the gospel. I'm not, I'm not minimizing it. I really am not. But I'm just saying, in light of what we're doing here at HBF tonight with all 12 of us, it is not that this is a bigger deal than what's going on with millions of people, 360 million people, because it's that important. It's so important the angels are looking in on what's happening because they, they don't have the power we have. They do not have the indwelling Holy Ghost. 
And they certainly don't want us reproducing that in the lives of other people because it will mess up their election <laughs> in more ways than one. And so, um, and so you, are you guys tracking with me here? This is a big deal. The gospel is a big deal. It's a good, big deal. And so what happens when people don't receive the gospel and, and they don't get saved is it affects their empathy. And the Gentile world continues to walk without any kind of empathy. They have no empathy. Their emotions, their conscience end up getting seared. And that, the Bible tells us, is going to continue to grow worse as the days go on. Right? In 1 Timothy chapter 4, as Paul is uh, writing to his disciple Timothy, he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines, which is teaching of devils. So this, this, this is actively occurring now. There is, there's actively a combat against the truth of God's word. Um, and, and it is not just, oh, well, you know, it's just happening because people are people. No, it happens because people are people and Satan is real. And there's demonic activity going on. And people are departing because they're following uh, seducing spirits and doctrines, teaching of devils. And what happens is, how does that look? Well, it looks like this. They speak lies in hypocrisy. Uh, so their life is a contradiction to what they teach. And they have their conscience seared with a hot iron. So they don't really care. Have you ever watched like a, a who's that faith healer guy? Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn. Have you, ever, ben, have you ever seen Benny Hinn preach? I've seen him preach. I'm not talking about get up and throw his, the spirit around the room and heal people. That dude can open up a Bible and preach. I was shocked one time. I listened to a message and I'm like, wow, that's unbelievable. This guy actually can preach the word of God. He knows the stories thoroughly. I mean, he knows enough of the Bible to be dangerous. So he's obviously doing this intentionally. <laughs> he has no conscience. I mean, he has no way. His, his nephew, or his, I think it was his nephew, left that thing. His, now his nephew's in Florida. He's a Bible-believing uh, pastor. Uh, he left that whole mess, and, and he can testify to that. But it's just, it's just a sham. It's a conscience here with the hot iron, using God and, and a power that's not his to amass to himself riches, to live like a king, and then it'll all get sorted out in due time. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going to get hurt. But in the process, he's blinding people to the gospel. He's not preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of God. He's preaching, he's preaching a message about how you can be healed. You can have your best life now. And he's skipping over that basically the reality is our best life is Christ, and you're not guaranteed anything in this life. But man, you get everything in the next life. So don't put your eggs in today's basket. Be looking ahead, right? Look to the future by faith. That's what the New Testament's all about. And uh, what a disservice that is to all the all the saints over the last two thousand years that have bled and died and suffered and ran and hid. All the Baptists before the American Revolution that had to, like man, even even guys like John Bunyan and who uh, who uh, his wife, all the sacrifices, all these saints. Well, what happened to John Bunyan? Why did he have to spend so much time in jail writing Pilgrim's Progress? What happened to Hudson Taylor uh, over in China? What happened to um, these great missionaries? Uh, Ed Arm Judson, was he a bad guy? Is that why he was in prison? Because he didn't have enough faith? Is that why his wife died in the field? Of course not. I mean, these guys were suffering for Jesus. And uh, these, guys, these guys just do Christ a disservice. But anyway, that's another side note. But it is important because sometimes people can walk in this world, but they can look like and they can use the name of Christ. So it gets even more deceptive as we get further down the line in these latter times. So be careful who you follow. you got to follow Christ. And by the way, 
and I, since I'm in a church and that will obviously a church is like ours and that as we get further down the road will be called cults because we hold a, an absolute English standard it's important too to know that we're not the only people that believe the truth and I'm not the only pastor that knows the truth there's over 4,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal so don't ever if there's a guy telling you you can only get this here that's that should be a big red flag waving because <laughs> now I am going to tell you it's harder and harder to find truth nowadays but you, you but it, this isn't the only church and it ain't going to be the only church and uh, as a matter of fact uh after the rapture there's going to be 144,000 jewish male virgins that are going to be preaching the truth so you know there's a cult going on when the guy leading it says oh yeah we're the only ones with the secret knowledge uh that's called gnosticism too and that causes problems all right so let me pause there any questions thus far so we're just looking at what paul's talking what, what does it look like well what's it look like well i'm kind of telling you Folks are alienated, they're blind, their minds are not right, there's no empathy, they don't really care, they're hypocritical, uh, point G. Now Paul tells us they are past feeling. And he says that, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. All right, so um, in verse 19, and to work all uncleanness with greediness. I mean, wow, what in the world? So what's Paul talking about here? Well, dead people cannot feel a thing. Have you ever noticed that? I remember when my grandpa died. It was really cool because this is the first major death in my life after becoming a Christian was my grandpa Hedges. And, um, and so Amy was with me, and I went up to the funeral home, and I, I just graduated high school. And uh, it was this summer after I got out of high school. And my grandpa was a Christian. And, uh, and so I go up to the funeral home, and I go up, and he's laying in the casket. And we got there early. That You remember that, Amy? You might have forgot. But we went to Carson Funeral Home in Independence. And we roll up early. Nobody's there, so I'm able to go in and have some private time. And I'm just, I got the peace of God. I don't have any, I'm not upset. I'm not crying. I'm not beside myself. I'm just actually at total peace. And I, and I roll in there, and, and I'm looking at his body, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, t- I'm touching him. You know, nobody's around. I'm like, I'm just like, man, he is not in there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know that he's not in there, but I mean, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm just like going, that is so cool. He is gone. He is absent from the body and present with the, I mean, I just knew he's not there. It's just a husk, just a shell. Just like the Bible talks about. It's just a kernel that goes in the ground and boy, it's going to come up so much more glorious. And I was just so cool. I was just so cool. I was like, man, that is, that is. That is awesome. But you know what I also notice about a dead body? Uh, it can't feel a thing. <laughs> you know, weekend at Bernie's, that body, they, they drag that guy all over the place. He can't feel anything. <laughs> so, I know that's dated. I'm old. I never actually saw that whole movie. But anyway, I hope it wasn't bad. Anyway, uh, so dead people can't feel anything. And those who are dead and trespassing sins, uh, you'll notice that you can't feel anything. It affects your, your feelings, your empathy, your emotions. Have you ever, have you, and I, I hate to say this, I hate to be so honest, but um, we had a culture of people, if you start to feel something, they put you on drugs because you don't know how to handle your emotion. And then we got people that are so dead and seared that they will do anything to try to feel emotion. They'll give themselves over to, to all kinds of lascivious behavior. They'll cut themselves. They'll do things to hurt themselves. You know, because you're you're seared. I, and, and some of that too, by the way, I just want to mention, I didn't really think about this until after I got saved. Some of that's demonic. I remember when I was lost and I was drunk one time, I started carving 
in my knuckles pain, you know, P-A-I-N, you know, I was cutting it into my knuckles. And I remember thinking, and my buddy told me, he says, You're, something's wrong with you. <laughs> you know, I lost people. Something's wrong with you. And I'm like, yeah, some, I, was, I don't know what I was thinking. I was just, well, you know what I was thinking? I was lost. But I, and I probably had a demon in me, you know. And so, and so that's what I was thinking. I wasn't. I wasn't feeling anything. I wasn't thinking anything. When you're lost, you're lost. Without hope, without Christ. And you're doing stupid stuff. And people are trying to fill that emptiness with all kinds of things. And sometimes they're so dead that they'll do anything to feel something. And it's, it's sad. Being lost is a terrible thing. And the, the, I, I know lost people who are so distressed about the deadness of their soul that they mutilate themselves. And uh, it's so sad to see that. And they're in torment. And they're really in torment. Whether they know it or not, they're in torment because they don't know Christ and they have no peace in their soul. They're not satisfied. So Paul goes on to give us the reason they cannot feel. Why can't they feel? What is the problem? Well, they have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. Well, that's a word we don't like to use very often. It's too big. Lasciviousness is licentious, you know, licentious behavior, wantonness, unbridled lust. There's a whole lot of things we can put under that category. And, uh, of course, in Romans 1, a lot of it deals with sexual sin. Um, in the 60s, it was, if it feels good, you do it. Right? It's the opposite of asceticism. Asceticism is where you, you just beat yourself and deny yourself, and, and you just, you know, you hate your flesh. Okay, that's not biblical. Uh, but either is, hey, whatever feels good, just do it. Man, it feels great. Just do it. Well, that's, that's what, you know what, ironically what happens if you just let yourself go because it feels good to smoke meth, eventually you're going to have a hard time feeling anything. Your soul's going to get dead. You'll be taking your body through all kinds of things wondering, well, how come I don't get the feeling anymore? I'm just saying. Because you're giving yourself over to licentiousness, to lasciviousness. That's what the, don't get mad at me, that's what the Bible says. And not only a little bit, but with all that uncleanness, with all greediness. I want more, I want more, I want more. Till my, till my teeth rot out of my head and I look like a skeleton. I mean, that's just Cass County. So, I'm just saying. And I'm not saying that to judge folks, because that's what the gospel's about. Is free. There ain't going to be a message in the world that is spoken that's going to free somebody from that kind of bondage, other than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we preach the gospel. It's a simple message, but it is powerful. I mean, it, it literally rocks people. It'll, it'll run the demons off. It'll, it'll seal the soul. It'll return someone around and give them the grace to walk in the Spirit instead of fulfilling the lust of the flesh, which is the power of God. And so, by the way, Christians don't judge people like that because that is us if it wasn't for Jesus. Or it was us. So point three, and that's what Paul points out. That's the next point. So, but we have not so learned Christ. Like that, right? He says, that's not who we are, but ye have not so learned Christ. That if, if people are calling themselves Christians and they're walking like that, <laughs> don't follow them. If you know, how, how many of you, I know guys like that. I've had, I know there's been guys in this church that come in here and say, hey, I'm a Christian. You know what they're after? People's money or worse. And they're not, they're not, I don't know if they're Christians. I mean, I don't know. I can tell you this, don't follow them. Don't walk after him. 
ban them from the building if we can, you know, because they're just they're they're after something other than Christ. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to his according to the deceitful lusts. Right? I know a guy one time, an alcoholic. And uh, struggle with now. I don't know if you know about alcoholism, but a person who's an alcoholic can't have alcohol. And I'm not being funny about that. They don't. They have no temperance. They have no ability to have a little. It becomes a lot. So this person is. He's learned Christ. He's learned that you know what? I need to stay away from alcohol. But some guy, some deacon in a local church in Harrisonville, one day takes him out fishing and says, "Oh, it's okay to have a little drink." And then the guy goes on like a ten-year bender, and really hurts his family and a lot of people. And it takes a lot, you know, for Christ to get a hold of his life and get him off the sauce. And you know what? That's a sad situation. That's not what, how we've learned Christ. Um, that's not how we've learned. We don't, no, we don't put on the old man. We put off the old man. Paul says that you put off concerning the former conversation, uh, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. We don't, we don't tell alcoholics it's okay. We don't say, oh, yeah, just a little weed. It's okay, you know. No. The drug addict doesn't need a little weed. An alcoholic doesn't need a little alcohol. We need a lot more Jesus. That's what, that's what we're serving up around HBF is Jesus. And I guarantee you there's probably some people in our church, you may be listening online, maybe a member, and you just, you're the other guy that's like, oh, well, Brian, you're too tightly wound. Well, I'm telling you what, you're not following Jesus. That's how it is. Uh, I don't care what you do in your, as long as it's legal and your privacy. I'm not trying to judge you and all that. I've already had fights on the Internet about that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we don't use our liberty as an occasion to the flesh, period. I'm not saying I don't make a mistake in that. I'm not saying that others don't make a mistake legitimately. Okay, we can repent. God will forgive us. But if our constant pattern is to, to free people uh, from the constraints of the Holy Ghost so that they can live it up in the world, then we aren't following Jesus, even if we say we're a Christian and we go to this church. You're going the wrong way. You need to turn around and follow Jesus. And I'm not talking about being legalistic. I'm not a legalist. I'm talking about following Christ. I'm not going to even give you any rules. I'll let your conscience and the Word of God be your guide. Okay, anyway, I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the atmosphere. I just get a little irritated because I know people. I was one once. <laughs> I still am. But uh, I just know how people are. And, and we need to follow Christ. Jesus is the opposite of greedy. He's the opposite of unclean. He's the opposite of lascivious chasing after the flesh. He's the opposite of unfeeling or uncaring. He's, he's the opposite of that. He's totally caring. He's totally empathetic. He's totally into helping people. He's totally into people being balanced. He's totally into, to, he's not into asceticism and he's not into licentiousness and liberty that's, uh, what is it, licensed, right? He's into people being whole. That's why this year I did the whole theme of HBF is the wholeness and holiness. Because we think of holiness immediately as being in handcuffs. It's not, not at all. You're free when you're holy. And you're at liberty. So Jesus is the opposite of all the things that we've just talked about. And so the Bible tells us that, uh, that his heart is not blind and he is not ignorant or alienated from the Godhead or in darkness. Yet it, it, it is his mind, Philippians chapter 2, that said, excuse me, that, I, that, was, that said, you know what, I'm going to humble myself and become obedient, even obedient unto death, the death of the cross. That's the mindset of Jesus. I'm going to give up my life for other people. That's, that's, that's his mindset. I'm going to sacrifice all right, so Jesus has spoken to us, and uh, he has made it clear that we're to put off 
concerning the former conversation of the old man. That's not Paul's opinion. This is what Paul says. Hey, this is coming from the Spirit of God. You cannot walk like you used to walk. There needs to be a changed life. Um, the word uh, uh, conversation means lifestyle. Uh, the life of the old man is death. We need to put off the old man and put on the new man, which is my next point. And that's the last major point of our outline in chapter 4 is putting on the new man. Remember that old song, Putting on the Ritz. So we need, to, we need to take off the old man and put on the new man. So let's see what that looks like. In verse 23, um, it says here, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Amazingly, it starts with the mind. And that you put on the new man, which after, we already read this, which after God create, was created in righteousness and true holiness. Interesting how he has to put the word true holiness. Because there's a false holiness. And there's a lot of independent fundamental Baptists running around with a false holiness. Right? It's how short, it, or how short, well, how short's the dress, or how long is the dress, or whatever. Let's judge the dress. Let's judge what kind of hair. Can they wear makeup? Can they not wear makeup? Blah, 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 all that. I think there's a lot of pervs running around. That's all I got to say. I'm like, come on, dude. Relax. Let's just, just say modest is hottest, and that's good. That covers it. I mean, be modest. You can be immodest in a dress. You can be immodest in, in leg pants. It doesn't really matter. You can be immodest, or you can be modest. That's the parameters, and uh, so on and so forth. But these guys get kind of cray-cray, and then you're judged. If, you're not, if you don't have a jacket on and you don't have all the standards of their righteous standards that are not necessarily written in the Word of God, then you're not holy. So he says, wait, wait, back up. We're talking about true holiness. God created in righteousness and true holiness. It's okay to wear sandals. Jesus warm. You know, it's okay. Uh, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor... For we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands at uh, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Well, look at that charity, man. This, he's like, hey, a, a true follower of Christ is gracious and charitable. They're a giver, not a taker. Uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. Let the words coming out of your mouth be things that build up, not tear down. That is, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away, or putting off and putting on, put away that stuff from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath. We're giving you. Okay, so let's talk about how to do this. All right, how to put off the old man and put on the new, because that's really what we need to know tonight. Well, first thing we got to do is we got to renew the spirit of, of your mind or our mind, uh, independently of one another, our minds. But re, in uh, Philippians 2 and verse 5, I didn't even put the verse up here, but you, many of you know it. Somebody know Philippians 2 5? Starts with let. Let this. Sarah's got it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And if you continue on in the verse in Philippians chapter 2, uh, he deals with the fact that he thought himself it wasn't robbery to be equal or to uh, be equal with God, meaning Jesus was all God, and he wasn't taking anything away from the Godhead, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant, right? So he could die in our place. That's the mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
who, though he was God, condescended to men of low estate, people that were aliens, that were enemies of the gospel. He died for them before we were even born, before we ever got saved. He already provided a way to escape because he loves us so much. That's the mind. That's the mind of Christ. He loves us so much. So that's a positive thing that we can do. Many think that being in Christ is all about don'ts. But really, if you want to have a plan for victory, it's not about what you don't do. It's about what you do do. Oh, you're never supposed to say do do. But it's what you do, right? It's, it's about having, a, having a, a plan for victory. And it starts with, if you really want to put off the flesh and put on the new man, you've got to start with renewing your mind in God's word. I can't, go, I can't personally go a day without the word of God. So I'm addicted to the word of God. I'm not afraid to admit it. I have to be daily because i get i get stale in a hurry my mind goes crazy i gotta have the word of god to keep me centered and i'm not afraid to admit that it's true i'm brainwashed my mind is renewed in the word of god now i'm not legalistic about it but i kind of am i mean i really am i I really i really get in the word daily um and i don't always get as much as i want but i do get it daily so you have to renew your mind. Now, Romans 8, 6, let me give you some, some practical verses here. I gave you the references in your notes. Paul said to the Romans, for, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So there's a reason that we have to have the mind of Christ in us. Because all that stuff we talked about, the old man is a man, of, this man's going to die, right? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we're walking around in carcasses that are slowly dying. They're already, I mean, they're not useful in eternity until they're changed in an instant, right? But our, our old man is just, is just, it's just, it's, it's, it's not going to make it to heaven. It has to be changed at the rapture or you got to get a resurrected body. So flesh and blood, 1 Corinthians 15, does not inherit the kingdom of God. You're a dead man walking. But what's in us now, if you're saved, is the life of Christ. And, and the thing is, is that's why Paul says baby Christians, they're carnal, they're fleshly, because they haven't yet had their mind fully renewed They've seen the light of the gospel. The lights come on, but they haven't thoroughly furnished their soul. They don't have all the accoutrements that come with walking in the Spirit. and They have all the Spirit of God the second they get saved, but there's a, there's a process of following Christ, learning how to follow Christ, learning how to walk after the Spirit, being sensitive because, let's face it, our flesh tells us to do this and the Spirit tells us to do that, and you've got to learn to listen to the Spirit. Today, I pressed a prayer I had. I just had a verse, uh, Deuteronomy, I think it was 11.1, was the verse God really had me key on. And it just says, do the word of God always. So I said, Lord, you know what, today, that was my prayer. God, just let me do whatever you want all day long. I just don't want to do anything else. Just when you tell me to do something, that's what I want to do. I don't want to think about doing something else. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I just want to be obedient and follow your word. God loves that kind of stuff. That's called loving God. If you love him, you keep his commandments. Always. Right? He told Israel to do that always, but that, that applies to all of us. If we love God, we keep his commandments. Well, you can't keep his commandments if you don't know them. If you don't know you're supposed to take out the trash, how are you supposed to take out the trash? Right? Okay, time to take out the trash, son. You know you're supposed to do that. Okay, so take out the trash. Dad loves it when you take out the trash. I don't love my son because he takes out the trash alone, but I do love it when he takes out the trash. So, you know, you keep the commandments that God gives us. And the commandment, the first commandment we keep, what is the first commandment someone has to keep in this dispensation, by the way? 
That's the great, great commandment. Love your neighbors yourself. But in, it's Acts 17. Love, thy, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That is the first and great commandment. But in this, Paul in Romans, Acts 17, 30 says, God commandeth, in the most generic gospel message in the New Testament, Paul gets up and says, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Right? So receiving the gospel, which is loving God, uh, the only thing you have to do, you don't have to learn all 600 commandments of the Old Testament. You don't even have to learn the Ten Commandments. <laughs> You've got to learn the gospel and receive that gift. That's the first commandment. Receive the gift of God. Receive, receive Christ. That's it. That's the first commandment a lost person. That's the only thing a lost person has to be focused on. After that, they can start figuring out how to walk and follow Christ. It just starts with believing the gospel and receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so, um, and so Romans 8, 6 says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we have the Word of God's Spirit. Um, we have uh, the Bible. And so wherefore, he says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope unto the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So uh, I didn't give you that, but 1 Peter 1.13 tells us that our mind is like loins, right? That's, that's, that's your waist. Uh, we reproduce stuff from our loins, like children. Uh, the strength of, a, of a, our balance is all based in the hips. When you want to tackle somebody in football, you're going to take them out of the hips. Uh, when you wrestle somebody... Uh, you want to. You got to get control of their hips, uh, or they're gonna. You're gonna have a hard time. And so, why? Because that's the strength. So our mind is is spiritually like our hips, right? Uh, what comes out, it it brings life. It can bring death. Uh, it gives us balance. It gives us it gives us an ability to stand in difficult times. If our mind is right, there's so much that you can do. If your mind's not right, man, you get messed up. You get off balance. You get weak. And so he's like, gird up the loins of your mind, right? Grow that mind. Renew the spirit of your mind. And then he goes on to talk about uh, the new man in Christ. He says in that passage, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Oops, I, I left the wrong verse up there. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 okay, put away lying. Where am I at? I, le I left off. Oh, 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-seven. Did I put that up here? There we go. He says this, the first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So I wanted to, I, now I remember why I, I did this. I want you to understand this in the text. That when he talks about the new man, who is the new man? The new man is Christ. That's, the, that's who we're following is Christ. Christ is the new man, and he's in us. When we get saved, the Spirit of God comes in us, and that's who we follow. We follow the Spirit. The mind of the Spirit is the Word of God. The bride of the Spirit is, well, of Christ, I should say, is the church. And so, First uh, Corinthians fifteen forty seven. The first man is of the earth, earthy. That's our earthy man, the flesh. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Colossians three ten tells us, and we have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created him. That's not talking about our image. That's talking about the image of Christ. Christ is the express image of God. So Christ is the new man. That's who you're putting on. Okay, point two. So how the new man behaves, how does the new man behave like Christ? Well, we, by doing this, we put away lying. Um, let me back up a second. So Jesus didn't have to put away lying, did he? Because he never lied. But we do. Um, so earlier we talked about speaking lies and hypocrisy. That's what lost people do. That's what people who follow, walk in the flesh do. But spiritual people, Christians that put on the, the new man, they put away lying and get active in speaking God's truth to the neighbor, 
And notice that. Uh, that's what he says in Ephesians 4 and verse 25. Uh, he, he says there, um, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore put away lying, verse 25, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So he kind of counteracts. Again, it's not just what you don't do, it's what you do do. So in place, do do, I said it again. So what you do in place of, of lying is what? What did he just say? That, what do you do instead of lying now? Maybe you're a habitual liar and you're like, man, I'm struggling with being a liar, Brian, but I'm a Christian. Okay, I can deal with that. That's your flesh. What's the, what, spiritually, what do you got to do? It's in verse 25. That's right, speak the truth. Actively engage in speaking the truth. I'm not just talking about not telling white lies. I'm talking about speaking the Bible. Actively engage in speaking God's word. And obviously, other truth, which is, you know, the truth, the reality around you being true and not lying to people. But if you want to combat a lying tongue, fill your mind and your heart with truth and speak truth. And God will correct that. So again, it's not just what you don't do, it's what you do do. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so we are members one of another. And that's important because it affects everybody, right? If we don't, if, if Brian Hedges chooses not to put on the new man, it's going to be a problem for y'all. It's going to be a problem for my wife and my kids. It's going to be a problem. Because if I'm in my flesh, it's not pretty, is it, Amy Jo? No, she says. So it's not. And praise God, I got a wife that knows that's the flesh. It's not me. But the man that my wife wants to see is the man in Christ, not the man who's not in Christ, who's walking in. Not, I'm, I'm never going to get out of Christ. I'm saved. But I can choose not to put on the new man not to renew my mind, not to speak truth. And then all of a sudden you're in trouble. So if we're, if, we're, if we're not honest with others, we're not honest with ourselves. Uh, be, because the reality is that we're all one body and we affect one another. Okay, so that's, what, that's when we put on Christ, that's important that we speak truth. We quit lying and we're honest. Honest with ourselves, honest with others, honest with the word of God. And start speaking the truth. You don't have anything to hide. You don't have anything to be afraid of. You don't have to worry about people's judgmental attitudes. Because if people are judging you because you're honest, well, then guess what? They're not, they ain't putting on the new man either. I'm not saying you don't have discretion and all of that, obviously. But, but you know what? A baby Christian often doesn't have discretion. I'd rather have a, a baby Christian that's just blatantly honest and has no discretion, that just speaks the truth, than, uh, than someone who's uh, you know, maybe offending a few people's sensibilities than somebody who's covering up, shutting up, and not putting the Word of God in their heart. All right, point B. i got to keep moving for time's sake. So deal with anger biblically. That's interesting, and I, I preached on this a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to camp out on this. And I, I preached this a little differently a few weeks ago, so you can go back and listen to that. But practically, he says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. So he's not saying that if you're angry, you're in sin. People, We all get angry. And sometimes, like I preached a few weeks ago, there's righteous anger. Um, but in this case, he's saying, hey, if you get angry, make sure you're not sinful. Make sure you deal with anger. Deal with, that's why the point is deal with anger biblically. It's not a sin to be angry, but it's a sin if we don't deal with anger biblically. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let it tarry. The concern here is bitterness that will set in, right? If we allow, if we don't deal with things and we allow them to simmer in our heart and we let the sun set, man, I can't believe I left my food at Applebee's. I am so mad. 
and the next day I wake up, I'm still mad about that, you know. Don't let that, let it go. Let it go. So in Hebrews 12, the Bible says in verse 14, follow peace with all men, right? So you, our, pro, our proclivity needs to be to follow, whoa, I, back, I, I missed that point, didn't I? So in, you don't have this, but it's in the margin, I th- it's in the notes. Uh, you can look it up. Hebrews 12, 14 says, follow peace with all men. So we should be looking to have peace with all men, even lost people. I'm not looking to go out and start a fight with anybody. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. We're wanting to see the grace of God in everybody. We want to get Jesus Christ in everyone's heart. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. What happens is if we allow bitterness to percolate in our hearts, eventually a root of bitterness is going to grow up and it's going to defile other people. You know, a root root of bitterness is going to grow into a vine, and it'll start to wrap itself around all your relationships, and you'll start to be bitter toward other people. And that's what's sad. So if I'm, if I'm angry about something, you know who it affects? It affects my family first before the church. And uh, if I've wrestled with something, and Amy's been married to me for 30-plus years, so she knows what that's like. If I get angry about something, she's like, Brian, what's wrong? What's going on with you? Why are you biting my head off? What's your problem? She doesn't say it like that because she's a good wife. But what's going on? And why does she do that? Because there's something, not, there's something going on in my heart, and I'm wrestling with bitterness. You ever get offended? Sure we do. But you've got to deal with it biblically or you'll start, the, the root of bitterness will grow up and start wrapping its tentacles around every other relationship. And man, then you start to isolate yourself because you're just a mess. And so what the cool thing is, is you just take, cry, cry, you fill up your heart and mind with the word of God and allow God, the Holy Spirit, to come down in your heart and just pull that root out. And when you get those roots, you've got to have God do it for you. You've got to have help. Sometimes you need to come and get help it from, a, from somebody with the word of God as well. But when we refuse to deal with our anger biblically, we give a place to the de- for the devil to work in the body of Christ. And that's the point. That's what Paul's point now. If you don't deal with your anger biblically, now you're given a space, a place. You're given the devil a seat. I see it in marriages first. Right? You don't deal with your anger toward your spouse biblically, your frustrations, whatever it is. Next thing you know, the devil's just got a place in your bedroom. He's got a place in your living room. He's got a place in your kitchen. And he's just sitting there messing it all up. You can't even have a conversation because he's sitting there in the middle of the room tearing you two apart. And you got to get rid of the devil. The first thing, put in the, starting with the word of God, speaking truth, right? Dealing with your anger and putting God first and putting everything else second. And then don't steal. Don't steal uh, anymore. I like the way he says that in verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. Don't do it anymore. Stop it. By the way, the implication there is, is if you're a rotten thief, you can stop. Well, you know, I just, no, I don't know. I know the Bible says you can stop. Quit it. Uh, but rather let him labor. <laughs> that means if you're a thief and you struggle with being a thief, go to work. Quit trying to get stuff for free. That's your problem. Quit being a freeloader. Working with your hands in the thing that is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. And don't work for yourself, work for others. Quit being greedy. Remember, that's, that's, the man, that's the old man. That's, get rid of the old man and put on the new man. Work with your own hands, do good stuff so that you can give to somebody else. If you're just a thief, then quit it. Quit stealing. Don't steal anymore. And, uh, and that, will, that would be helpful. Go to work. Second Thessalonians, by the way. Let's see if I got, I don't have that up here. So Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when ye were without 
uh, even when we were with, with you, I'm sorry, that this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. If they don't labor, they don't eat. And then, of course, I've already mentioned, give to others. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. How can I help you? If you're a thief, man, and you're walk, if you want to walk in the Spirit, and you're, and you're a liar and a thief, well, quit lying and go to work and start working for other people's benefit instead of yourself. That's exactly what Paul just said. And that's not, he's saying, I'm not just saying that. This is of the Lord. This is God's counsel from on high. So you can come to my office and tell me all your excuses, and I'm going to tell you, I can't get, I didn't get nothing else for you but what the Word of God says here. Quit lying, go to work, and do something for someone other than yourself. If, if you can't do that, you are not walking in the Spirit, and you need, to get in the, you need to start with renewing your mind. You can be saved and still have a, a worldly mindset. You've got to get your mind renewed. Okay, next thing. This was a big one in my life. But this is one, you know, sometimes we have things that God deals with us on perpetually, you know, for 30 years of your Christian life, and some things he just takes. Like Shane Watts was a drug addict. God just took his need, I mean, a lifelong drug addict, and then he gets saved, boom. His need for meth was gone. That would then say he wasn't tempted, but he, he literally had never had another hit again. And so that's a miracle. That, I mean, the drug, the drug council people said that's not possible. Well, it, it happened. <laughs> I tell you that. But then there's other things, right? So one, for me, one of the things like meth from Shane is, is filthy communication or, or, or bad communication, point D. Clean up the communication. You know, verse 29, he says, Let no commun corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Um, you know, we often say that, you know, things like, He cusses like a sailor. Anybody ever heard that before? Right? So, and, you know, we got a Marine in the back. They don't cuss, but sailors cuss. So, uh, <laughs> but at any rate, you know, it's funny that we use that, that term, cuss like a sailor. That, what that implies is that the sailors curse, right? That, that sailors have a filthy, that, that is their demeanor. I mean, they're just cussing or foul mouth. All right, so there's, there's, that's a language of the sailor. Well, guess what? There's a language of this world, and you guys know it. The question isn't, do you know the language of the world? The question is, do you speak it? And you don't need me to tell you what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? And I don't want to get legalistic about it because there's certain things that people speak in the church even that I'm, I'm like, whoa, to me, that's kind of over the edge, but it's not to them, so I'm careful with that. You know, I think, and that's cultural. One time I said heck in a church up in northeast part of the United States, and they said I was cussing. I'm like, oh, I didn't know heck was a cuss word. So, you know, I mean, it is kind of relative to the community you're in, but that's the point. Once I know it's a cuss word uh, in, in that part of the country, here it's okay, but, but up in that part of the country, I would not say that again. I mean, I said it, but I didn't know. I mean, I really stepped in it. I didn't even think it was, I didn't even know I said it, okay? That's more of my old conversation. It's like one time I was talking about taking a swig. I, my whole life we've taken a swig of this, a swig of that. And then someone here at Heartland one day says, did you know that a swig is dealing with alcoholic beverages? I'm like, I am so sorry. I had no idea. I really did not even know that. In our family, we drank all kinds of beverages, including alcohol, and it was a swig. It didn't matter if it was water or, or whiskey. You know, a swig is a swig. So I didn't know there was a differentiation. So I quit using that term as much. 
So, you know, because it's at church anyway. And so, because I'm like, you know, my communication, I can clean it up. And that's really minor stuff, but you guys know what I'm talking about. When I was lost, I used to have, I did have a filthy mouth. And uh, I just, I just, it just came out of my heart, you know. And, uh, and so, when I got saved, it was gone. And so, um, but when I was lost, I spoke the language of the world. And I did one time, I do remember at Fagan one time, I tried to, to speak the language of the world to fit in one time. And I was so convicted that God, I never did it again. Because I know the language, but I just choose not to speak it. And man, God was just, he just slew me. And I never did that again. Now, some, pe- some folks don't have the conviction about that that I do. So that's, that's fine, whatever. I'm not, I'm not here to micromanage your life, but I'm just telling you. Your communication changes when you get saved. And Paul's telling you right here, you, you need to watch. The, he says, let no corrupt communication. And that's not just filthy words, by the way. That's also all kinds of communication that's not healthy, right? Um, that's because of the abundance of the heart. Our heart should be changed. In Luke 6, 43, the Bible says, For a good, a good tree bringeth not forth good, corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his fruit. For the thorn of four thorns, men do gather figs, or a bramble bush, a bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in the heart comes out of the mouth. So we need to fill our mind with truth, our heart with truth, and then our mouth will take care of itself. And I'm not just talking about cuss words. A passage that God gave me personally to help me with this in Colossians 3.8. But now ye also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. So it's not just a lifestyle. He's saying literally, don't let your mouth say filthy communication. So God took that from me. And again, it, it, it is, it, it's not just what you need to stop doing. Really what Paul's saying is that it's what the Holy Ghost needs to do in you uh, through replacing our mind, and so he can, he can replace the things in our heart so that we can speak the things that we need to speak, that, that it may minister grace to the hearers, right? The things that are good, that it may minister grace. So what good things? So practically speaking, and I'm, I'm, I've got to finish this up, but um, practically speaking, uh, one of the another verse that God's given me to help with that is I put it in your notes, Philippians four eight. And I, I alluded to it earlier, uh, but if we're going to communicate in a way that builds people up instead of tearing them down, you have to think on things that are good. And I'm not saying you know twenty four hours a day memorizing the Bible that's actually good, but even if that's not what you're doing, think on things that are good. Be intentional about not thinking on things that are not good. Okay, so. Uh, Philippians 4, 8, 9, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, so start with the truth, but also things that are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, right, any power, any praise, think on these things. Think intentionally on those things which you, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you, Philippians 4, Eight and nine. So the God of peace will be in your heart when you think on those things that are peaceful. Not only on things, uh, not only on these things, 
But find people who are honest, who are just, who are lovely, who are of good report, who are virtuous, who are praiseworthy and true. And those are people you can follow. And think on those things. When I was working in the construction industry and going down to City Union Mission several times a week, uh, I was dealing with stuff that was just dirty, dirty stuff. And you all know, if you work in the real world, you're dealing with dirt all the time, filthy stuff. We were out to dinner last night, filthy communication. We had to, I got up and leave. One of the guys, it was so bad, one of the guys at the bar, I wasn't at the bar, but I was near it. We were celebrating, Sam. They, hey, Harrisonville Wildcats won the championship, in, or the uh, division, undefeated. It was awesome. So anyway, we went out. We had half-priced appetizers. But the people at the bar are so obnoxious and loud. I'm like, it's time to go, girls. And uh, Sam had already left to go home. And, and uh, the guy at the one of the guys says, "Man, I'm sorry, sir." I said, "Hey, bro, it's no, no good." I didn't say, "Bro," I said, "No problem." And we got out of there. But it's just, it's just, there's things in this world that just make. I'm, I don't appreciate that. But at the same time, that's what dogs are. Dogs, dogs bark. Dogs do stuff. That's what dogs do. They need to be saved. But you know what? You get enough of that, you need something pure, something good. When I was in, back in the day, uh, when I was just a run-of-the-mill dude, which I'm still a run-of-the-mill dude, but when I was just, I was just going to work, doing my thing, one of the things Amy and I did is we, we did children's athletic ministry. And that was perfect for us. It was, we were athletes in high school once upon a time. And uh, we, both, we worked the girls' division together, so we had time together. So I had time with my wife. And then we had time with these girls, these little 12-year-olds, and they were so funny and fun and silly. And I tell you, it was so different from where I worked and the City Union Mission. I just would go there and do whatever, and, you know, hang out with the girls, throw the ball, teach them how to play softball. I wrapped, Amy coached, and we ran the division and all that. And it was just, it was just, it was good. It was virtuous. It was, it filled my tank. It didn't drain it. And so you need to find ministry and you need to find things that fill your tank when you're getting drained. And, uh, and, and you, obviously it's the Word of God. That's the easy preacher answer. But, it, I mean, practically speaking, you've got to put yourself in a position to think on things. Because I tell you what, I've heard enough about Hunter Biden already. I don't need any more. I already know enough. I don't need any more of that. I'm not against it or for it. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, okay, I get it. I don't need to obsess on it 24 hours a day now. I've got enough other things to worry about. Right, I got to think about things that are pure, that are true, because I got a job of building people, not tearing people down. You understand what I'm saying? Because you can only take so much uh, of anything, and then you got to get back to to where you're really balanced. And so Romans six nineteen says, "For your obedience is come un- abroad unto all men. I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you to be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil." Another thing that God has taught me over the years, because I can tend to, to dig into evil pretty good. I can try to tear things apart, figure things out, wonder, how does this work? How does that work? You know? Well, you know what? Sometimes it's not, you don't need to know all that detail. You don't need to know who's doing what and why. You just need to stay in your lane and run, you know, run your race. Because curiosity killed the cat. And I'm not kidding. I literally have dug into things and I'm like, oh, oops. I guess I shouldn't go there because it's evil. Okay, not talking about within the context of church. I'm just saying, be careful. You know, be wise concerning. You don't need to know everything about the about how the world operates and who's doing what and all that. You know what you need to do? You need to run your race. You need to preach the gospel. You need to be wise concerning good and simple concerning evil. 
know more about the truth than you do about anything else. And, uh, and that's all I got to say about that. And then don't grieve the Holy Ghost, and I got to be done. So you guys, the rest of the balance of that is simply don't grieve the Holy Ghost. And in verse 31, he says, let all bitterness, all of it, let it go. The wrath, the anger, the clamor, the evil speaking. And then he says, man, be, put that away from you. Get rid of it with all malice. And the opposite of that is be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If you can't forgive others, well, you need to go back to the start because something's wrong with the head, the heart, the mouth, right? And you're robbing others of forgiveness that's been given to you. And we got to give that to others because God's given us all forgiveness. He's not holding anything over our heads. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? Tonight, if you're born again, if you're born again, he is not holding anything over your head. He is not ready to pounce on you. He's not wanting to cut you off. He's already cut his son off. All he wants you to do is walk in the spirit. He just wants to maximize your opportunities to glorify him. That's all he's wanting. And man, that's all we should be doing. So that brings us to the end of chapter four. And Paul's concern for uh, Christ's divinity was seen in verses chapters one and two. The, the body's unity in verses three and four. And that's how he wraps it up. And then Next time we get together, we'll get into chapter 5, and it'll be dealing with the practical duties of uh, the Christian in the body of Christ and then in the marriage, and then we'll get into the spiritual warfare of chapter 6. All right, thank you guys for coming. I'm going to pray quickly because I'm way over. We're going to get out of here. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together tonight to study the, the balance of chapter 4. Thank you for the unity that's uh, that's been explained in chapters 3 and 4. Thank you for the deity of Christ, the one who... Uh, God manifests in the flesh that has delivered us all these spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Help us, Lord, to walk this out. Help us to put off the old and put on the new and to practically apply the things that we're talking about. These things that we've talked about tonight are things we can walk out and do because the Spirit of God dwells in us. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone listening tonight that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that they would get saved in the power of Christ, the gospel, the good news of Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, his power over the grave and sin, his is soon coming for us, would quicken their dead soul, bring them into eternal life so that they can walk in the Spirit of God and renew the spirit of their mind and be able to live a Christian life as it's been intended so they can bring glory to God, so they can have peace in their heart and they can reconcile others to a loving God. We thank you now and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great night. Thank you for your patience.